listening to Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale. Welcome to Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale, the weekly radio talk show where we unwrap and reveal the secrets that successful people use, and you can too. Available at successunwrappedradio.com. My special guest this week is John Harry Turan, a speaker, consultant, and award-winning author known for his inspirational works, including the simple power pause formula for problem solving and happiness. He got his start in the corporate world, working up to executive level, then managed his own successful business with offices around the world. And now he does what he loves best, traveling the world and sharing his messages. But he hasn't always been such a success. He's been through personal ups and downs in his life, and he teaches people by sharing both his tragedies and the tools he's used to overcome them. John, thanks for being on the show today. It's my pleasure. Now, what are the three categories of problems that we have here on Earth? <laughs> Actually, I, I think this is, uh, this is such an interesting thing because uh, when I was um, a young man, I am not that any longer, I used to think that we had so many problems, but really there are only three. Money, health, relationships. Any problem, generally any problem, will fall under one or a combination of those categories. Now you've said they all actually boil down to one problem. What's that one problem? Well, then we get into, I would say, a mystical world when we try to get it into one problem. And that problem is our, well, let's use an ordinary word, it's ignorance, but not in the form of uh, the way the word is used these days. It's our not knowing what the laws of the universe are. It's not knowing, uh, it's a kind of a separation from that which we truly are and our being hypnotized into believing all kinds of stuff because of what we see and we hear, what we could only touch or feel. So just knowing the laws of the universe will help us not have problems anymore? We will always have problems. For example, let, let me give you a very ridiculous, simple example. Uh, the law of gravity is um, a very interesting thing. It applies to all of us, even planes that fly. They don't defy the law of gravity. They just work within it. But uh, if I were to walk into a giant boulder and I stop and I say look boulder you shouldn't be there move out of the way I do not give way to the law of gravity I understand I know what you are but you just move out of the way I don't subscribe to you see how ridiculous it sounds <laughs> yeah. we work within the things if we are aware of the laws then we are able to if we so choose to use them we can be aware of the laws of mathematics. We can know that 9 times 8 would be 72. But uh, if we are not aware of that or know how to come to that answer, it doesn't negate the law. It still exists. But we just won't be able to multiply 9 by 8. Unless, of course, we use a calculator. <laughs> so what universal laws in particular do you think we should pay the most attention to in order to get to that state? Well, I think before we do that, we need to take inventory of who we are. And if we do that, we will find that we could be a bundle of nerves and a bundle of beliefs. 
And uh, the very first thing I think we should do is examine our beliefs and ask ourselves the question, a very simple question. Why do I believe this? And uh, if I do believe it for some valid reason, is it still true? Let me give you a quick example. Again, I love to give examples because they say more than a thousand words. Uh, let's say when I was seven years old or thereabouts, and I'm crossing a highway, my dad says, son, hold on to my hand as we cross this highway or this parking lot or wherever it is. I believe my dad, and I would hold on to his hand because it was uh, sort of conducive to longevity, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it was safe to cross over that way. So maybe at the age of nine or ten, I still believe that, but it's, uh, well, I don't need to do it any longer. But if it's 17 or 27 or 37, I still believe that I have to hold my dad's hand, to hold on to his hand to cross the, the parking lot, then I need to sit back and take stock of what I believe in. But I would act as if I had to, if I kept believing that. And I would limit myself. It's somewhat like uh, way back when, centuries ago, when people believed the world was flat. The world certainly wasn't flat, but the people acted as though the world were flat and thus limited themselves. So the first thing we might have to do is just examine our beliefs, ask ourselves why we believe this about ourselves or this about that, and uh, come to an understanding. And we would find that maybe about 80% of our beliefs do not hold up any longer. Once we get through that, we become a little freer to choose what we want to believe in because we are not our beliefs. We only have them. Now, that is a very important part of our lives because if I believe I'd never be successful on the Internet, then I already have... Um, I've struck out because no matter how hard I try, there will be that little voice saying, hey, you can't do that, you can't do that. Why are you wasting your time? and all my actions would be geared towards not succeeding. But if I say, hey, that's not that hard. I could do that. It's not as difficult as brain surgery. Actually, it's easier than driving a car. And although I can't do brain surgery, I could drive a car. Maybe if I look at this with an open mind, I could get there. Somewhere there is an answer to your question, Heather. <laughs> So how did you develop the power pause? That was more evolutionary than revolutionary. My background is kind of, um, I'd say, quote-unquote, uh, weird, in that I was born multiculturally. I was into many cultures. I understood them. I observed. I saw. I read extensively. And I was privileged to meet some of those special human beings who seem to live what I call magical lives. And this doesn't have to do with riches or poverty or anything, but their lives were in, it's sort of, there was always this commonality of being happy, being fulfilled and seeming to be prosperous and so forth. Uh, they did have problems, but they had unique ways of dealing with those problems. And uh, over the years, having uh, I was trained, of course, as a scientist, my uh, graduate, undergraduate studies in chemistry, actually my graduate studies uh, 
were at the University of Michigan. I have an MBA from Rutgers, worked in corporate Fortune 500 companies and so forth. So I was trained to think in a certain way. But I discovered that being trained to think that way was, if handled alone by itself, so to say, was limiting because there were other ways of solving problems. I noticed when uh, we got very confused and very uh, focused on a problem after a certain time, combining again both our left and right brains here, uh, after a certain time, we come to a point of no return, so to say, that we cannot, no matter how much we study, solve that problem. That collection of facts may not always do it. And so I, I have always been able to sort of tap into what I call the unseen areas. If you want to call it imagination, so be it, doesn't matter. And it came to mind that there should be much simpler ways of dealing with problems. And uh, they just came to my mind. I checked them out. I studied them. I didn't discover them in a cave. It was just a combination of a lot of things. It was like a, it was like a recipe to get the proper cake that you're baking. You have to have just this, that, and the other mixed in just the right quantities. And I checked this out with people who were... Um, whose names are household words. I was privileged to meet with some of the masters of the Far East. Uh, some of the people in this country are Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who passed away a few years ago, is a great friend of mine. So is Deepak Chopra and uh, many of these folks. So we talked, discussed these things. I shared them with a whole bunch of my friends, uh, at first informally in some of my lectures, later put them together in three principles. Because I believe, as Einstein said, that everything should be made as simple as possible and not one bit simpler. And yes, I listen to all these things, I read all these things, and here is somebody teaching you how to meditate, and it takes like a, a year to figure it out. <laughs> and then you have to sit cross-legged under a table or something and ohm until the cows come home or something. <laughs> or sing Ohm on the Range, whatever it is, <laughs> it was too complex. In our society today, we don't have time to spend an hour or two or three meditating, and yet, do we need that much time? All we need to do is to break focus, because meditation is actually a different type of a focus. It's like a non-focus, and there's intensity, but here we go, it becomes weird. It's like a paradox. It's like uh, an intensity of non-intensity. It's like the ancient Sanskrit saying, do less, achieve more. Do nothing, achieve everything. So it doesn't make sense in the head, but it makes a lot of sense in the heart, especially when it works. So I put together three simple principles based on all I have learned in my journeys through this time span. That's how it came about. Finally, a friend convinced me to put it all together where somebody could read it and maybe duplicate it. And at first, I hesitated to do that. But when I did, out came the power pause. Three minutes, three steps to real happiness and personal success. And uh, what was strange to me 
it was picked up by a lot of people, and some of them you may have interviewed. You said you interviewed Joe Vitale? Yes. Yeah, Joe is an old friend of mine. He loves the power pause. So does Yannick Silver, Marlon Sanders, Jonathan Mizell, and uh, you name them. The, most of them have read or practiced the power pause because it's so simple. Three steps. Break focus. Feel how you'd feel if the thing you really wanted to have happen happened. And the third one, be grateful, give thanks, drop it, let it go. Three things. Now you might say, huh, that's it? <laughs> yeah, it's like telling you, um, you want to learn how to drive a car? Here's this thing called a key. Open the door, put it in the, where you put the key in, uh, and turn it, start the car, put it in drive, and drive. That's simple. But of course, it doesn't work that way. You have to practice. You have to go through the motions. You've got to practice breaking focus. That's why the little book that was selling on the Internet for so many years, it shows you exactly how to do these three steps in story form. And I use the method of a story because I think people remember stories a lot easier or a lot better than they do hard, dry, how-to type things. Yeah. So the three steps being, first of all, break focus, feel how you would feel if you had what you want, and then to be grateful and let go. Absolutely. That's it. Now, how does that differ from the law of attraction besides the way that you describe it? It's all part of the same thing. It's like if someone were to say, I have to go back on a little bit of my chemical background here. How does water differ from hydrogen and oxygen? It really doesn't. It's a combination of two atoms of hydrogen and uh, one of oxygen. It's contained in it. The law of attraction depends on how you use it. The law of attraction is actually, if we were to be mathematical, we would say it's a subset of one of these sets. Because when you break focus, you stop forcing things to happen. You open a door and permit things to come to you. The feelings, which have to do with the subconscious, because again, here I talk about an old friend of mine, Foster Hibbert, who was the associate and friend of Dr. Napoleon Hill, who wrote Think and Grow Rich. Foster and I used to discuss these at length, in which you cannot force, you create the situation where the thing is attracted to you. Right. See, I could write 10 laws or 50 laws or 80 laws on anything And yet they will do no good unless we go to the basics. Just like every number you could ever think of uh, in the real situation of numbers could be described by ten numbers, zero through nine. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so having an understanding of how this flows is important. And going back to what Foster used to say about uh, the subconscious, is one of the places we should talk. Why is it that the second part of the formula is feel how you would feel if the thing you really wanted to have happen happened? Well, it's very simple because, uh, and I know all about this visualization thing. They say visualize it, picture it. That's good too. That's a part of it. But uh, how many times do we picture something and we don't notice that something any longer? Take, for example, let me give you a good example here, Heather. If you were to have um, a Rembrandt, uh, you just went out and you paid whatever they pay these days, millions of dollars for one of these. 
Okay. And you brought it in and you set it up in your foyer or somewhere in a special room in your house. And you come by every day, you see this Rembrandt and you say, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. I just love it. It's fantastic. And every day you stop and you look at it and then uh, after about a month, you don't glance at it that much. And after about six months, it becomes invisible. You don't even notice it. That's what visualization is like without the feeling. But then one day, a few of your friends visit, and they stop, and they say, is that a Rembrandt? Oh, my gosh, you mean the real thing? See the difference to you? It became invisible. So when we talk about visualizing or imagining, sometimes that becomes invisible, and it loses its power. And the only thing that makes the subconscious really shoot for the goal is actually there are two things. One is repetition, and two, deep feelings. And once those two are combined, by the way, psychiatrists and psychologists actually looked at this formula, and I've got some testimonials from them that would blow you away, saying, one guy said, you know, I spent all these years getting my advanced degree in psychology, and here I read about it in a day and could put everything I need to work. See? So we have to look at the psychological basis of this formula also. If you can't break focus, you can't go on to the second one. The law of attraction is a part of this. Uh, Just like we do not really have a law of engine to drive a car, it's a part of what we call the laws of thermodynamics, the three first, second, and third laws of thermodynamics. You probably could see the science part of me coming out every one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to what you just said. If you can't break focus, you can't go on to the next step. Right. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening saying, well, how the heck do I break focus? Because we know you can't just stop thinking about something. So what's right. the trick to That's that? That's why the, over the past seven years, the tens of thousands who got the power pause, the little book I sold, were able to follow it step by step and say, ha, huh, that's how you do it. In fact, I had a famous author write me a note, say, you know, I never could figure that one. <laughs> now I know. In 20 minutes flat, I learned how to break focus. Let me tell you how. Okay. Since we uh, do not, I have pulled the book off the internet, by the way, so there's no commercial gain here as I explain it. And I'm not trying to sell anybody anything. I I haven't done that in years. But um, this is a very simple way of breaking focus. And I'll lead you through it and you'd see what I mean. Okay. Let's say um, I start telling you a story, which is true. I generally tell stories based on truth or facts or things that have happened to me because then I remember them. Now, I used to visit, in my early days, I used to go to Africa a lot in business, and uh, part of what I'd do would be go on the Serengeti Plain, and then I'd go um, look for lions and uh, giraffes and so forth. And I remember this one time um, looking at a black-maned lion. If you were, they are very rare. And if you ever see one, it just stands up there, and it looks at you, and it's so beautiful. And you think, it now... I tell you what, um, try not to think of black-maned lion if I were to shut up for a minute and see what happens. 
the more you try not to think of it, the more you think of black maned lion. Yeah. Actually seeing every part of it. Look at the black mane. But where these lions, there are very few of them, and I, my guide would take me and driver would take me away from that, and we'll see other animals like elephants and uh, giraffes and so forth. In fact, I remember once just um, in the northern Serengeti, which they call the Maasai Mara, being by the Mara River and seeing the hippopotamus in the water and across there, you saw all these wildebeests and so forth. Now, the reason I'm telling you this story is because of a very structured situation. Notice what happened when I took you away from the lion and talked about going to the northern Serengeti, to the Mara River and looking at hippopotamus. What was happening there as you followed me was the lion was blinking in and out of your mind. And when, if I had continued for a few minutes more, you would only be thinking hippopotamus, mm-hmm. okay? So we don't break focus by forcing it. We break focus by changing. There's a little game we play that says, look, for the next three minutes, I'm going to think about anything I want. You can download John's free ebook When You Can Walk on Water, Take the Boat, at www.waterbook.com. And I hope you've enjoyed the first segment of our interview. But it's not over. There's a full 200% more than what you just heard where we delve deeper into these success principles. To unwrap the full interview and get lots more tools for success, just sign up to become a Success Unwrapped member on any level you choose at successunwrapped.com slash members. This has been Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of Success Unwrapped, helping you to unwrap and discover your own potential for success. Until next time, keep unwrapping. I'm Heather Vale. This podcast is part of the Blueberry Network at Blueberry.com. That's spelled B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com.